Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Welcome to Healthy Mama Hacks, a weekly mini podcast where I share my best tips for hacking your healthy mama life with simple tips for easier eating, cooking, and living a healthy mama life in 20-ish minutes, about the time it takes you to fold a load of laundry. So let's do this, mama. Hey friends, welcome back to Healthy Mama Hacks. Today we are diving into part two of my Making Healthy Delicious series here on Healthy Mama Hacks. And today we are going to dig into one of my suggestions from last week's episode. Last week's episode we talked about the basics of how to make healthy food delicious. So we talked about what I consider healthy. And really we're just talking about eating more real whole foods. I don't subscribe to any one particular uh, dietary way of eating. Um, So I'm not suggesting that you eat any one particular way. I am just, I'm really basing this off of eating more real whole foods is something that I think we can pretty much all agree is going to help to improve our overall health and wellness. And whatever combination of foods, whatever type of foods works for you is what I support, right? I want you to feel good and ultimately find what works for you. And I think eating more real food is going to benefit all of us. And So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about making healthy more delicious. And one of the things I talked about was making smart substitutions. So what I mean by this is when it is worth it to make a substitution and when it's not, okay? So what I'm talking about is going beyond I want to eat healthier. So I instead of eating this processed food from the grocery store, I'm going to eat this processed food from the health food store. First of all, it isn't necessarily healthier. Um, And it depends, you know, healthy is what healthy is to you, right? And so instead of just trying to make those like one for one substitutions, which might be helpful for a while, um, but it's really making the substitutions that make this most sense for you and for the dish that you are actually cooking. So it is always worth it to swap something out. If you have a true allergy, if you have a sensitivity, if you have an intolerance, um, and I do think that it's important to get tested for these things if you do believe you have a sensitivity or an intolerance, because that'll give you some clarity on that. You're not just kind of skeptical. But if you take it out and you notice a significant difference, I think that that's a good enough reason to leave it out at least for a while, too, and see if that works for you. Sometimes these things are short term, as they have been for me in the past. Sometimes they're more long term. But it's definitely worth it to find substitutions if something 
genuinely makes you feel bad and you want to make a substitution for it. It's also always worth it to make a substitution if it is something that can improve your health and it's also satisfying, okay? So I want you to enjoy the food that you eat. If you listened to last episode, this is one of the reasons I love talking about this subject because I I really want you to enjoy the food that you're eating, whether it's you're trying to eat more real whole foods or, you know, you are just trying to improve your overall health. I don't think that healthy food needs to be bland or boring in any way, shape, or form. And it does take some adjustment if you're eating lots of hyperpalatable foods like I talked about in the last episode, but it shouldn't be a huge adjustment. It shouldn't take a ton more time. It shouldn't be a huge strain on your budget. And so I do, I think, finding accessible ways to eat healthy food and to make healthy more delicious is really important. And I think that the substitutions that are just as delicious and just as satisfying, but are also going to help to improve your health. Now they're worth it, right? So I have a few kind of rules of thumb when it comes to substitutions. So and deciding whether you should make a substitution or what you should substitute with. So that's what I'm going to share with you guys today. Okay, so rule of thumb number one is to don't just leave it out. Okay, so if something is in a dish and you're like, "Mm, I don't really feel like that's going to be great for my health or my gut or whatever it might be. Don't just leave it out, okay? Instead, ask, what is this item doing for the dish? So I use dairy as an example a few times because that's a common irritant for a lot of people. Um, So I use that for a few few examples in last episode. So for that for that example, okay, dairy often cools a dish down. And it balances flavor and or adds texture to it, right? So if you just take the dairy out, you could change the entire texture of the dish. You could take a soup that's supposed to be creamy and turn it into a broth-based soup, which might not be the intention, right? So it's going to totally change it. For gluten, for instance, it adds a necessary texture and elasticity to dough. So if you just, well, okay, if you eliminate the flour, then you're probably just going to totally you are going to totally change the dish. You're probably not even making it. (laughs) Um, But just choosing any gluten-free flour might not give you the results you want. So that's why it's, it's important to understand what type of flours you're using and the different ratios, right? Um, sugar, for instance, right? Eating, We know that eating gobs and gobs of sugar is probably not great for our health, but if we're like, oh, I'm not going to eat any sugar, and so we just completely eliminate it from dishes, we might change the flavor of dishes because it might be balancing out the flavors in that dish, right? It could be balancing out the sour, the bitter, the spiciness. So the question here to ask instead of just leaving things out is, what is this doing for the dish and how can I replicate this in a similar way? Number two, okay, rule of thumb number two is looking for a real food alternative first. Okay, so I mentioned this before. Instead of just trying to make that one-for-one substitution of one store to the other, it's I'm not trying to say that these foods are bad. The food from either store is bad, right? You know that I'm all about balance around here. It's just, you know, the more real food, the better. But oftentimes, the simpler substitution, the better, because many process substitutions have a lot of variables you might haven't you might have not planned for. Like I mentioned, things like gums or fillers. Um, I made the example of like a vegan cheese. It may or may not work in the dish that you're looking for. It might take a couple times to figure out if it works, if the flavor works, if the texture works, right? Um, so, 
choosing something like the example I used in the last episode was instead of trying to make a vegan mac and cheese exactly like you're going to make a your regular mac and cheese, try a cashew cream sauce instead. It's less expensive. It's really easy to make. It's less complicated. Um, it's not going to be exactly the same. No, but if it's delicious, well, then that's a, that's something else that you're adding to your meal list, right? Made of all real food ingredients. So this simpler, another example is um, if dairy doesn't work for you or you're trying to remove dairy because it, again, dairy's not bad, but, and I, we eat dairy in our house, but if that's something that doesn't work for you, how can you make the substitution simpler by using something like coconut milk instead, right? So just simplifying things as much as possible um, by making more things at by using simpler ingredients is what I'm trying to say. Um, when you're making things at home, it can be overwhelming to make that switch. And so we don't want to overwhelm you even more. So simple, simple substitutions. And I'm going to share some of those with you in a minute. And then Number three, just remember that it's not going to taste exactly the same. You might need to experiment until it fits your taste buds, but your taste buds also might need to adjust, like I mentioned before, which might take some time if you've been eating lots of hyperpalatable foods. So I think lowering those expectations that it's going to taste exactly the same, but having an open mind and going, okay, I'm going to find the best option for my taste buds and also what feels good for me. So Rule Three rules of thumb. Don't just leave it out. Instead, ask what is this item doing for the dish and how can you replicate that in a similar way? Number two, look for a real food alternative first, um, a simple alternative, I should say, first. And then number three, just remember that it's not going to be exactly the same, but keep an open mind and find what tastes good for you. So I know you're curious. Let's talk about some of my favorite simple swaps, okay? And some of these are the more like processed health food store things. And some of them are are not. They're really, really simple. Um, so for some of the kind of top food sensitivities, let's talk about dairy. I mentioned a couple of these before, um, but coconut milk is like my number one dairy substitution, especially if we're talking about cream. It works really great in any sort of Asian dishes. And that's spanning from like Indian dishes to your um, like Southeast Asian dishes. It's oftentimes used in Thai cooking. So this is a really great option, but it also works in soups and stews when you want something to be creamy too. It does have a little bit of a coconutty flavor to it, but it's a really inexpensive and easily accessible item. Uh, my other favorite alternative milk. Oh, by the way, when I talk, when I say coconut coconut milk, I'm talking about canned coconut milk. Uh, I'm not talking about the coconut milk in a carton, which has its place too, but mostly in smoothies, in my opinion. Uh, and oat milk. Oat milk is my second favorite one because oat milk has a very similar texture to whole milk. It works really well in baked goods. It works really well in sauces. Obviously, you want to if you're making a savory sauce, you want to make sure that it's unsweetened. Um, but oat milk is a really great alternative. I mentioned cashew cream sauce as an alternative for like an Alfredo sauce or a cheese sauce. You can use nutritional yeast to get that cheesy flavor. Really, really delicious. Um, in terms of like a dairy-free cheese, my two favorite brands are Miyoko's and Treeline. I think they both make really fantastic dairy-free cheeses. Um, and cream cheese and ricotta cheese, Kite Hill, I think is is the best. They make some really great cream cheeses and uh, ricotta cheese from almond milk, and you wouldn't even know they were almond milk. 
Um, Dairy-free butter. Now, I should mention um, that ghee is actually almost always lactose-free because ghee is clarified butter, so the milk solids are removed. So that's a great option um, if it's just lactose that's an issue for you. But in terms of baking, Earth Balance is still my favorite. It doesn't have the greatest ingredients. I wouldn't think I would even consider it like a real food, but remember balance, right? So in terms of baking, if you're looking for a dairy-free or a vegan option, Earth Balance um, I think is the best in terms of baking. In general, for flavor purposes, if you're looking for a dairy-free butter, I really like Miyoko's. Uh, For Parmesan cheese, a cashew Parmesan that you can make at home, super, super simple, really delicious. Um, Basically, I just grind cashews with salt and nutritional yeast. It's delicious. Sprinkle it on top of everything. Another very common um, food sensitivity or something people like to switch out, especially if you have gut health issues, is gluten. So my favorite substitutes for flour are almond and cassava flour for baking, especially. So or for really primarily for baking. Also, I use almond flour for um, I use it in my meatballs and I use it on as a breading on chicken or on shrimp. And it's delicious. And it's naturally gluten free because it's made from almonds. Now in baking, it the ratios of almond flour and cassava flour are different than the ratios of regular white flour, but it's very easy to Google and figure out. And these are just naturally gluten-free because cassava is a root vegetable um, and it's made into a flour. And I just like using the most simple options possible, right? So those are a really great option. In terms of thickening, um, cornstarch and arrowroot work the best for thickening. Um, I think gluten-free. And then for baking, a gluten-free flour blend is also a game changer. If, you know, you're just looking to make something like a cookie, it is helpful to have a good gluten-free flour blend on hand. I tend to use the Bob's Red Mill one-to-one or the King Arthur flour one-to-one. Those are my favorites. So those are my favorite options in terms of gluten-free. And then the Simple Mills baking mixes are really great and made with really awesome real food ingredients as well. I'm not a huge baker. Um, so those are my favorites. And then just finding your favorite gluten-free bread, gluten-free tortillas. Siete foods are my favorite. But then don't forget things like corn tortillas are also gluten-free. Don't don't um, discredit the items that are naturally gluten-free or naturally dairy-free instead of searching for those, you know, those more processed options that might not make you feel any better, right? Again, balance is important. I'm going to say that a million times, but I want you to do it. What is both easiest, most cost-effective, and feels good for you. So let's talk sugar. Okay, again, we don't need to demonize sugar, but a lot of us eat more than feels good for us. So if we're trying to reduce our sugar or reduce our refined sugar and eat sugar that might be more nutrient or or has sweeteners that might be more nutrient dense or even have a lower glycemic index, in the case of one of the ones I'm going to mention. My favorite natural sweeteners are maple syrup, number one, mostly because I love the flavor of maple syrup. You can bake with it. Um, it's a great sweetener. I use it as a sweetener in pretty much all of like my sauces. I'll either use maple syrup or honey for sauces or salad dressings when I need a little bit of sweetness instead of using sugar. Uh, maple syrup, honey, coconut sugar has a lower glycemic index and it has a little bit more of a brown sugar flavor and it bakes just like regular sugar. It's just a little bit less sweet. So I really like coconut sugar. I do like a little bit of liquid stevia from time to time. Um, I use it in my uh, tea in the morning. 
Um, so that's a good option, but it is a little bit more refined. Um, and in some cases, agave nectar as well. Um, there's some controversy on whether agave nectar is actually good for us or not um, because of how the liver processes it. But, you know, we don't need to get too technical about it. I think agave is another option as well. Um, and it does work well for some people who are um, diabetic because it does have a lower glycemic index than white sugar, maple syrup, and honey as well. So in terms of, so, oh, the other one I wanted to mention was refined oils. Okay. Because refined oils are one of those things, like I have talked to so many health experts here on the podcast and some of the biggest things that I've heard from them, like the top four things I've heard from them are if gluten doesn't work for you, take gluten out. If dairy doesn't work for, me, for you, take a dairy out because both of them can be inflammatory for us. Too much sugar can also be inflammatory for us and these can cause health problems. And the other thing I hear over and over and over again in a switch I made a long time ago, but I know a lot of people haven't, is switching from refined oils. So when I say refined oils, I am talking about like canola oil and safflower oil, sunflower oil, you know, those seed, uh, soy oil, corn oil, those seed oils and um, vegetable oils that are just like highly, highly, highly refined and have been shown to be inflammatory and are also really high in omega-6. And we need a higher ratio of omega-3 fats than omega-6 fats. Um, and so it's just better for us to get our omega-6 fats from better sources, right? Um, so Switching to olive oil, avocado oil, it has a higher smoke point than olive oil, so I love to use avocado oil, coconut oil, sesame oil, butter and ghee, just those more simple oils and a variety of them, not just using one of them, but using a variety because we need a variety of those different types of fats because they serve different purposes in our bodies, right? So those are some good substitutions for that. Um, white pasta and bread. I am putting these into the same category just because I think that white flour is demonized often, but I don't think, or, or white foods are demonized often, but I don't think we always, I think we've blanketed them in a way that we don't necessarily need to. So like potatoes do have nutrients in them. They are white, right? But white potatoes are not that much more or that much less nutrient dense than sweet potatoes. They just have different nutrients, right? So especially the skins of white potatoes are really high in nutrients. They're both starches. We need carbohydrates. So I don't think that the like don't eat anything white should be a blanket statement. That's my personal opinion. But I think that there are some great ways to find balance here, right? I think that we eat both white pasta as well as whole grain pasta. We just try to eat more whole grain pasta than white pasta. But when it's when it, it makes sense for texture, especially we do eat white pasta. Same thing with white bread. We tend to choose sourdough bread because it's naturally fermented, um, which is easier on the gut. But then we the rest of the time we also eat sprouted grain bread or gluten free bread in my case, because I do eat mostly gluten free because that's what makes my gut feel good. Again, everybody's very individual. Um, but some of my favorite substitutions in terms of pasta and bread um, pastas, Jovial Foods is my favorite pasta brand, hands down. They have brown rice pasta. They have cassava flour. They even have a cassava pasta. They even have a cassava orzo that's really delicious. Trader Joe's has some great gluten-free pasta options as well. And I really like Bonza's chickpea-based pasta. They're really delicious and they're really high in fiber and protein. So you don't even really need another protein on the side if you don't want to, which is always nice and convenient. My kids really like it too. In terms of bread, I just mentioned a couple options here. We tend to go for sprouted grain bread um, just because it's easier on the gut. It's higher in nutrients. Uh, and then naturally fermented options like sourdough bread, we also really enjoy as well. 
Another option, or not option, but another item that I don't think we think about as much when it comes to choosing a more natural nutrient-dense option is salt. But I talk about salt all the time. I do use just regular kosher salt in many of my recipes just in terms of, um, from a culinary perspective, in terms of flavor. But when it comes to nutrients, I love using real salt. That's the brand, Redmond's Real Salt. It's a mineral-based salt, so it actually has more flavor and it has more minerals, less just sodium in it than just your white table salt. Pink Himalayan salt, the same. Uh, French sea salt, the same thing. You just want your salt to have some color to it. That's how you know it has a full spectrum of minerals in it, or at least minerals in it versus your, your very refined white salt. Um, and the last but not least, in terms of like condiments, this is an area where there can be a lot of extra ingredients that we just don't need, like refined oils and sugar and things like that. And so I think that's a great way to make a really simple substitution by making them at home or choosing a more real food option in the store. Um, so for salad dressings and a lot of condiments, my favorite brands are, um, if, they're, if you're not making it homemade, are Primal Kitchen or Tesame's. They, have, um, they both have a great, um, oh, Chosen Foods is a good one too. They both have great salad dressings and mayonnaise and they have things like ketchup sir kensington's is another great brand um so just choosing those options you know that might be using avocado oil um, as an oil or are using like honey or maple syrup or something like that as a sweetener or maybe they're unsweetened so things like that i think are, are really great substitutions you can either make them at home or, or find those as well so i think just swaps that make sense choosing the more simple option instead of just trying to do one for one with the packaged foods i think not just leaving it out but asking what it does for a dish is going to be really helpful so that you are making food that is still delicious right because that's really important um, and remembering it's not going to taste exactly the same but experimenting adjusting and finding what works and what feels good for you I hope this was helpful, friends. I hope you're enjoying this series. If you are, please screenshot this, share it with a friend. Let me know over in the Healthy Balance Mamas Facebook community if you enjoyed it or shoot me a DM over on Instagram. If there's anything you want me to go into more detail on, I would love to share more. Um, so shoot me a DM, shoot me an email, reach out to me on Facebook. Um, I would love to answer your questions and dive deeper in anything that um, you want to dive, deep, dive deeper on. So next week, we're going to talk about how to make veggies more delicious because we could all eat more vegetables, right? All right, friends, I hope you all have a beautiful weekend and I will catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.